You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Hey, everyone. I'm Jackie Lewis. Welcome to the third season of Love, Period. In this season, we're exploring what fierce love looks like in a time of trauma, when all around the globe, folks are trying to figure out how to be the best version of human they can be in these difficult and traumatic times. Today's guest on Love Period is Paul Rauschenbusch. He is Senior Advisor for Public Affairs and Innovation at Interfaith America. I've known Paul for many, many years now in my life in New York, and no one winds up my speed of talk more than he does as we generate new ideas together. This conversation was about fierce love, much to my delight. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Paul Rauschenbusch, I'm so glad to see you today. I am thrilled to be with you. How are you? I'm good. Are you? I am good. You know, when I sit back and reflect and look around, mm-hmm. I actually am good. Yeah. You mean like count your blessings good. Good count things. Count my blessings yeah. good. Look at the people who yeah. love me yeah. and whom I love. Yeah. And recognize that there is love surrounding me. I'm going yeah. into theme, if you haven't I noticed. Love it. I, I love it. I am. I, I, this I is really... like a communicator's communicator. He is going into theme. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, and, and, and you know, I, I also am coming off of three days of reading your book. Oh, my goodness. So I am... I'm kind of living fierce love right now, and it's been very helpful. I, I can't wait to hear more about that. But first of all, tell me about the people you love. How's your family? How's everybody? My family is glorious. Yeah. I have two young boys, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, who are so beautiful and so <laughs> wise and so funny. And my seven-year-old is a poet and, like, you know, just looking around and so <laughs> glorious. And my three-year-old is a monster who is, like, in, in destructive mode. Um, but he is, he's also so – they're so warm. And, you know, speaking of love, you know, I mean, this is just a soaking up love. And it giving true? it off and yeah. not, you know, there's there's zero agenda there right. aside That's from right. more love. That's right. <laughs> honestly, and so, you know, right? my um, and my, you know, my partner, Brad Gooch, is is um, coming off a book about Rumi, you know, yeah. which was the Sufi poet of love. Yes. And now he's working on a book about Keith Haring, oh, wow. whose work was very effervescent yeah. and, you know, like, you know. Difficult, but also like you know, you see joy in it, and yeah. you see love, and he was motivated by that. So, so we're you know we're You're we're wonderful. We're steeped in it. And how's your work going with Ibu? So I we just launched Interfaith America, mm-hmm. which is extraordinary, and uh, it changed the name and the, and the yeah focus, we changed right? the name. It was Interfaith Youth Corps for twenty years, which yeah. absolutely was great, yeah. and then. Recently, we just realized that doesn't completely capture what we mean. Yeah. What we mean is is more expansive than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a vision. It's an yeah. organization, but it's a vision. Yes. We are Interfaith America. We are not just one thing. We are many things, and we are inter those things. We are connected. We, no one can be isolated now. It's That's not right. – you cannot – you can't just be your own thing in the corner. You are bumping up against other people. And so the the question is how will we how will we train ourselves up? 
yeah. for those I- encounters? How will we engage those encounters with respect, with um, understanding, with right. some sort of awareness of where the other is coming from, which are all kind of the ingredients of love? Absolutely. And I'm so, you know, I'm a geeky girl who wrote a book. Like, this is my, I don't know, fourth book, um, but my first trade book. And so when your friends have read your book, you're like, hey, you read my book. And you feel like, woohoo. And then you go like, oh, damn. Also, you read my book. So you know my business. You know what? I I mean, and as I was reading, I was like, okay, she went there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, but that's the gift. The gift of fierce love is, you know, the action, but also the book is that, you went to the point of where the the trauma, the hurt, yes. the pain, yeah. which, frankly, are the places where the love, the blessing have to go right. in order for us to heal. And right. so, you know, and again and again, right. the thing about storytelling like what you did hmm. is that you gave permission hmm. for the reader to connect with their own points of pain. You gave permission for the reader to recognize that, um, oh, I'm not alone. Right. And it's, I may, I may not have exactly the same experience, but I have my experiences, yeah. and I, this is giving me space and permission to reflect on those experiences, go into those experiences, and how do I find the pathway through? Yeah. Because you also showed us the pathway through. Hmm. I'm so glad that and, you feel that and, way. And, and the, it inspired compassion hmm. in the way that the best narrative does. Hmm. It in, invited. By being so honest, you invited us into compassion. And, you know, the vulnerability place, I I understand exactly what you mean by, like, now that I, he's, that oh, he's read my book. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but what you did is you actually allowed me to see what was going on in the inside Hmm. and not just have the very, you know, Jackie is a powerful woman. For those of you who haven't met her in person, she is a powerful, beautiful, composed, and also fierce woman uh, (laughs) who... I paid him to say that, all that. (laughs) Not at all. Um, But that's the trick is that, you know, how do we get beyond the front? Yep. And get into the real. Yeah. And that's what you do as a preacher. This is yeah. not, this is like a sermon. This reads yeah. like a whole sermon to me. It's storytelling with a with story some... of redemption. It's also, I know you are very interfaith in your outlook and welcoming of all people of all faiths. It's also a very, for me, it resonated as a Christian hmm. because, you know, you, you see, you, you just see how. There's no resurrection without the crucifixion. There's no resurrection without the crucifixion. And the crucifixion is a reality of life, unfortunately. Yep. We want to get rid of the—I mean, I am, I am not glorifying the crucifixion. Make no mistake. I just recognize that it's there. It happened. It it's happening. Right? It hap- it's, it's happening, happening. right yeah, now to a lot of the people who are listening right yeah, now. Yeah, that's and really And so, cool. so giving us the, the story of redemption as well. Hmm. And also that the redemption is not always a solitary thing. Yeah. It often comes because community right. has up. come into play yeah. and been invited into yeah. play. And so now I'm preaching. No, your I your like book it. was a preaching. Well, was I, a sermon, I, I, I love I'm you preaching. preaching. But, but let's, you know, some of the readers, some of the listeners haven't read the book. I, I hope they will. But I really want to. I want to pull apart some of the things in that, Paul, and kind of apply them to your life and mine, right, and the world. And so one of the things I'm thinking about right now um, 
is like, like let's start with your boys, you know, mm. your boys who you say a poet and a monster. And when I, by the way, when I say monster, I know exactly I love what you him. mean. You know, he's but, just he's just a very he's a force of nature. Yeah, and, I've got that grandson, and, and I love that. You know, like this yeah. is not like oh, you just the good but you're just and the describing. Bad. You know, you're just describing. I'm, I'm descriptive, and he's also like extraordinary in so many other ways. So I just want, for the record, just Glenn, in case if you're, someday, if you're listening to this when you're 18, please. Daddy be. said I was a monster. <laughs> we, we, the reason I actually wanted to yeah. come back to the yeah. boys is, you know, I've got two grandchildren that John gave me by way of marriage, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I married John, and yeah. I got Joel, mm. and Joel is my son, and he's amazing, and I helped him get fixed up with his wife Gabby. Mm. And and they're married. This all worked out so great. And we got two little people. And one is four and one is three. And they are monsters. And they are poets. And they love playing monster with us. That's our big game. Run, tag, hide. Like, roar! And we roar. And they run. And Ophelia says, freeze! You know? And Octavius doesn't have as many words yet, but he goes, Wah! You know? So, so this place of kind of knowing them, that's what you did. You gave us short stories about who your boys are and how they're flourishing inside the love that you and your partner mm. have. God, Paul, so many kids are not, right? So many mm. kid, little people don't have big people like your partner and you or Gabby and Joel or me and John in their lives. And I, I have a broken heart about that, right? I have a broken heart about the way the trauma of these last years has our little people so vulnerable, Paul, mm. where they are still separated from the parents and we don't talk about it. They still don't have safe drinking water in Detroit, uh, Flint, and we don't talk about it. They still don't have good health care or good computers. They're still living on a dying planet and we don't talk about it. And they... And we know who I mean. They are coming for us. They're coming for queer families. Mm. They're coming for interracial families. My marriage isn't legal till 1967. Hello. And they're coming for trans kids. Who knows what affiliate Octavius Glenn, the boys are going to be. Who knows? What is the thing that you took away from reading this book, Fierce Love, that would be a message to the adults who have to make containers for their kids? Like, how can we love our children passed through in this time of craziness? I think we have a sense of our children as um, simultaneously very, very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but also as, um, oh, they'll get over it. Mm. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Not realizing that they are are soaking everything up, every message. Yeah. They're getting the message. Yes, they are. You know, whether or not you realize it. Right. And so to put my cards on the table right now, like, I would never go live in Florida. Hmm. Because if you say that you can't mention gay gay families at all, like my, you know, that means you're erasing the family that my sons are in. Right. And that means, like, they don't exist in the eyes of their, you know, I mean, and, and, and it becomes very much the other. Yes. Whereas, you know, we're very fortunate here um, in New York City to to have them going to schools where that's recognized. Not the weird thing is that the idea that this is being forced on anybody. No one's forcing anything on any. It's just being acknowledged as part of the classroom makeup, part of the human experience, part of what's going Whatever. on in the world. Yeah. And so I think uh, our job is to recognize where we can mm-hmm. when our children are getting messages that are are harmful. Yep. 
and also where they're actually creating physical spaces that are harmful. Right. And I think what the book, what your book does is it, it names them. Yeah. It names them. Yeah. And it doesn't say it doesn't matter. Yeah. It matters. It does matter. It matters. It matters like who, it says exactly who we are. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other Seriously, thing that bo- your book does is like it names things and says, don't say this isn't who we are. This is who we are until we're not doing it anymore. Exactly. And when we're not doing it anymore, we can say that's not who we are. Right. That's For right. now, this is who we are. This is who we are. So deal with that. Ex- and, yeah. and, and let's deal with that. Yeah. And let's change who we are. The, one of the important ideas of the kind of faith I have is that, yes, there's personal redemption, but there's also societal redemption. And the idea that we can't do better by the children in Detroit or Flint, essentially saying that God is not working in the world right now. Excellent. And we are we are hopelessly fallen and there's just nothing we can do, right. which to me seems a very anti-Christian message. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that, it's true. And, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, was just my, you know, April is my mother's big month. Oh, my God, you know. Can you get can you get through April? Her birthday's April 11. She her anniversary April 20th with my dad, and she died on the 25th, and then it's Mother's Day. So these these few weeks have been very uh, Emma centric in my you know my consciousness, my memory. I will say both super painful, and also y'all, I've never felt more faith in the resurrection than I do now. Hmm. Post her death. And I do mean something different than some of the folks will be like, okay, see, I feel like I feel her all the time. Like, she's here. Not wait till heaven or reign of God, but I feel her all the time. And I feel also the absence of her, right? right? So I both feel her and the absence of her. Does that make sense? Yeah. Almost can smell her, almost can physically feel her the way her hands feel, a little arthritis. Like, it's strange, but it's true. And I think it's the kind of, it might be my trauma reaction is, I'm, you know, regressed into her arms, regressed into her womb, regressed into her care. Just, mommy, you know, where, where are you? And let, let me feel you. Um, maybe maybe progressed. Okay, well, I like not, that. Not that's regressed. better. Maybe okay. maybe, prog- maybe progressed. I, I'm just I, no. That's good. I'm not going to change your story at all. I just think like you know hmm. what you're what you're inviting is that nothing's finished. Mm. Oh, good, sweetie. Thank you for that. That's better. And, and you did it better. You're not going backwards. Yeah, going forward. You're going forwards with her. Mm. In a new and, way. In a new way and mm. in a in a intimate way. Mm. In a. Um, mm. A union way. Yeah. I, I think it's gorgeous, you know, and, you know, it's an empowering um, phenomenon. And I'll just say, like, it's a blessing. It's huge. You know, like, not, a, you know, I don't feel my mom that way. I I, ha- I am very comfortable with the way I do feel my mom. Right. I'm inspired by her and all, but I don't feel her like that. So I just would, like, that's a blessing. Yes. And how wonderful. <laughs> I mean, in some ways... I also hurtful. I mean, it also right. the pain of the you know the, the presence and the absence at the same time. That's hard. It is hard. Um, but we don't know what's going on. I don't you know, know what's going on. It's <laughs> yeah, a mystery. It. We've been to school a lot, and we don't know. We just can't collectively don't know. But but the thing that is you know that I would I'm wanting to communicate, and I tried to write in in fierce love is, you know, her dying. Paul really did push 
something in me, right? I mean, how to describe the, you know, I think I say something like the the, the truth that we got said between us, of mm-hmm. me being kind of upset that she didn't know about my crazy bad touch story and have you know but to finally be able to go like there's nothing between her and I that's except just mm. straight clear mm. clean mm. beauty gorgeous truth honest mm. the excruciating beauty of that that then I swear to God Paul if you can be honest with your mom about the only thing you're mad at her about your mom I think you have to tell the truth all the time. I, something changed in me. It's like she pushed me out of the womb more. Hmm. And I cannot, my our Spanish-speaking friends say, no tengo un pelo en la boca or something. I have no hair in my mouth. I cannot lie about stuff right now. And the container of mom, this is what it looks like to be nice. This is what a lie is. This is how you care for the sick. I'm watching her watch the world. See that right there? That's effed up, Jack. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is what love looks like. Holy cow, Paul. Your job as a dad, her job as a mom, my job as an auntie and a grandmother and as a preacher, our job as adults is to create a container in which we can teach our children how to love the hell out of this world. Paul, if we're not doing that, we should go home. Hmm. That's it. That's That's everybody's job. Yes. And it's our job to do and teach at the same time. Right, at the same time. And and to recognize that none of us are going to be perfect in our love and to be in some ways gentle with ourselves. Yeah. Because, you know, I have a lot of anger. Yeah. What are you angry about? I'm angry when I feel that good people are misusing their their goodness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I feel very few people are really irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like right now there is just so much energy being put into such bad faith. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I mean, a yeah. super clear example is like QAnon. Oh, my God. And how QAnon is up, you know, this is like, it's really interesting. I was just reading an article about how QAnon is upending evangelical churches because they're coming in there and saying, you got to be preaching QAnon belief, not Jesus belief. These are, these are, you know, these are not wow. like, these are not like progressives. These are mm-hmm. conservatives and QAnon is upending this. And like, and they're saying, you know, all of their work is to save the children. And it's all based on a lie. And it's all based on a, an illusion. Yeah. And there's so much energy that could be put into the kind of stuff we were talking about earlier, where real things are happening. Yes. And it's instead being directed towards a complete fiction. Yep. And all this energy, it's ridiculous. And so so I feel angry about that. I feel like we're, you know, it's a missed opportunity to to harness the, the moral goodness of people. And it's being directed in a very destructive way. Yeah. Um, I'm angry at um, what I view as like an existential threat yeah. to my family. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think it's a really good point. You're in an interracial marriage. That is recent history. Yeah. You know, I mean. 1967, It's yeah. the same time as it's yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. And, yep. you know, in a, recent, yeah. in, the, in a recent confirmation of Justice Jackson, it came up. 
state rights. And they were like, well, if we're consistent, yeah, you know, um, interracial marriage laws should also be put back to the states. Right. And and she, who is married to a white man, sitting there listening to that, plus they raked her, mm. they lynched her. Mm. Yeah. They did. Well, it was horrible. So, so, so anyway, I, one of the, the hopeful things is like— I think that there's like the courageous love that you talk about and and this you know in the book the fierce love is is sometimes if you have a chance to be in front of someone who you thought was totally your enemy right and anyone who's done Israel Palestine yeah. race work yep. gender um mm-hmm. right. sexual orientation the binary is very quick and you say okay you're the enemy right and if you can be in front of them, because people can change their minds. Of course they can. Yeah. It's constant expansion. I view myself as like a case in point. Like all my life, I've kind of assumed things and then and then had someone like slap me upside the head and say, why are you assuming that? <laughs> why are you that? assuming that? I am not like the righteous one. I'm just saying like, so I'm hopeful that if we can find ways to encounter with one another, hopefully people can view like your marriage and my marriage, right. not as threatening, exactly, but, but as expressions of love that should be welcome. Period. <laughs> Period. Period. Would that our that your babies and mine can grow up in a world where we get there. I, I don't know that I can think. You know, I'm. I think I'm older than you, but let's not. No, I let's not be clear. I don't no? think so. Mm. I'm 57. Are you? Ha! I've got you by five years. I'm 62. You're 52. 62. Oh, I thought you were going down. 62. Oh, <laughs> when you said I got you by two, yeah. I thought you had five more years than me, not five less years than five, me. Okay, yep. 62. I was, well, so you're obviously wiser. No, just and, by and, five and, years. <laughs> Only five years. But, but look, have we ever lived in a time where it wasn't crazy? No, we haven't. We yeah, can't say we have. Right. We haven't lived in a time, you and I, where we could go, oh, remember in 1942, which wasn't that time either, but some of the people living in 42 would have said, that was the time. Mommy cooked and had on an apron and daddy came home from work and had a gin and tonic or whatever the hell. They had a picture of that looked like something. We haven't seen that. I want that, Paul. I want so much. I I mean, you know I'm a universalist Christian, but I'm like, I want... John's vision. I want a city with a river running through it. <laughs> I do. I want Carly Simon's song being sung as the theme song. I want the leaves on the trees to heal yeah. the people. I want that. I love that text that says God's presence is so in the city. You don't even need a temple. You don't even mm. need streetlights. Mm. I want Zechariah 8. I want old people chilling because I'm going to be one of the old people. Mm. I want to be listening to some Luther Vandross and the kids are playing double dutch <laughs> and shooting hoops. I, I want the I want the whole deal where your kids get to be themselves, where the immigration conversation doesn't disenfranchise brown kids and enfranchise white ones. I want black children's lives to matter. I don't want to see any more freaking films of people being shot dead. And I think we have a problem of, like, white nationalist bullshit masquerading as Christianity. I agree. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the hopeful part. Okay. That is not an expanding group. Hmm. There are people within the evangelical world Mm -hmm. who have transformed their, you know, they've kind of forfeited (laughs) their spirituality in some ways um, Mm -hmm. to kind of merge with a kind of Trumpist uh, white nationalist agenda. Yeah. 
But I don't think a lot more people are being converted to that. That's not something that you can preach on a Sunday hmm. and people are going to say, oh, I want to come to that altar call. What you're seeing is literally white knuckling hmm. of, of, of an idea hmm. mm -hmm. of America that hmm. they feel is they're losing. So and this it's is a, and it's a, a death grip? And so I know lots of evangelicals from different faith traditions, different racial backgrounds, but, mm -hmm. you know, including white ones who are, who are aghast at that. Hmm. And hmm. they are... They are trying to rally and say that's not the future of our faith. It cannot be. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we really kind of say what is attractive about it and recognize that it's a white knuckle movement. Hmm. I of, hear that. Of a fist clenched, mm -hmm. trying to hold on to a dream that they don't even know what that dream is. And then my prayer is, is that there's a releasing of the fist at some yeah. point. And they actually see, like, if they opened up their hand, they might see that they could take my hand, they could take your mm -hmm. hand, mm -hmm. and that they could be part of a circle, yeah. a broader circle that included everyone yeah. instead of insisting on their superior place in the world. In, in the world. You know, that is I my like prayer. That. Your, you know? your lips to God's ears, and I'll join you. I'll join you. <laughs> Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience, an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org courage. So one of the arguments I'm making in this book is that if we loved ourselves, we'd be able to love our neighbors and love the world. True? What do you think? I think the way you describe it, mm -hmm. it's true. I think sometimes it can lead to a kind of narcissism, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the way you lay that out, I think what I love about your book in regards to self-love mm -hmm. You're looking at the places in your life that you thought you could never talk about mm -hmm. because they were too shameful. Yep. And they had had an effect on you yep. that you thought was detrimental. Yep. And you had to keep it hidden and you had to push it down. Yep. And to flip that and mm -hmm. say, actually, those are those are places that in part made me who I am and yep. I am a strong person. Yep. I grew stronger around that. I grew that. stronger around that even though I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Anybody, yep. And so that kind of self-love, crucial. Yeah. The kind of like, you know what? We should go to Big Sur, <laughs> spend time with my chakras and make sure. You know, I mean, like, that's what I, sometimes. You don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes it gets yeah. to a little bit like, yeah. you know, yeah. And then my, why don't you go somewhere where people need you? You know, yeah. so I, 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 it's a balance. But I do think, like, everybody has to do the work that you're describing yeah. in self-love. You yeah. know, I, I sorry, fierce, fierce love of self-love. And then do what you did, which is reach out to people who have gone through similar things, created a community. 
People, if you do not know about Middle Church. Holy cow, right? <laughs> people, if you do not know about Middle Church, if you've never been to Middle Church on a anything they're doing, you don't know. I mean, walking in there is to realize, okay, look, all these people who have all of this because Jackie has created a space where they can bring them all, they're all their self in. All their stuff. Bring your all stuff. All their stuff. Yeah. And not in Flicked anything bad on it, but be use it for compassion. Yep. Yep. And making music and dancing. And, yep. you know, hopefully we're going to get to joy. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. We're, to hopefully joy. we're going to get to joy. we to get to joy. Because, because what I think that's where yep. I recognize that. Mm-hmm. I recognize where you, your insistence. On joy. On joy. <laughs> so you know? stubborn about it, right? <laughs> well, you know, and you create spaces yeah. for it. So yeah. that, we, you know, we have you know, all, this, all this stuff and yeah. we have to love that self. And then we have to also, there's something cathartic about getting up and dancing. Absolutely. Singing. Yep. Laughing. Yep. Being silly. Yep. Um, and, and also yeah. saying amen together. You know what amen. I mean? Like, yeah. And that's, you, I just think yeah. Middle Church is so amazing in that way. And Thank you've you created it. And, um, and everybody who's ever been there. And all the, I'll just, I'm just going to wax for a second. Like I saw you doing this amazing book event. Oh, yeah. You know, that I mean, like so cool. you are, everything you do with, you're creating a congregation which is doing what congregations are meant to do. Hmm. There's there literal communities of people coming from wherever. Yeah. That's the reason I went into this gig. Yeah. There was a small church that anyone who walked in there and decided they wanted to be a part of it, they were a part of it. So we had homeless people. We had mm-hmm. people who did not speak English. We had, And we had like kind of one of each. Like it was like 50 <laughs> people. It was not like, Where you was know, that? it was Madison Avenue okay. Baptist Church yeah. at the time. This yeah. was in the 90s when I someone said, you know what? And I was like, I am not going to be a minister. And someone said, you should go to, you should maybe see what it's like in a church. And I went there and I was like, oh. where else yeah. could these people come into a community and feel Full dignity. Mm-hmm. They were recognized as human beings, not defined by all those other things, but fully a member. And that's what you do at Middle. It's astounding and beautiful. And so, um, Middle Middle taught me. You know, you you know, you've known me long enough to know that I was wrestling about what it meant to have a grown up God, like for a long time. It, I I worked on this book for ten years probably, and migrated from a talk of grown-up God to a talk of God as love, because that was my journey. Mm. But Middle took me on this journey, really. What does it look like when the building is burning down? My traumatized congregants are watching the fire and taking care of the neighbors next door, because those women got smoked out. Not burned out, but smoked out. Is there anything we can do right here? Nope. So literally, we're taking them to Midtown shopping. Not the Kmart around the corner, but to Midtown to get robes and slippers and some extra lounge. I mean, the DNA of open the doors for queer people to get married before it was legal, Hmm. to feed the poor Polish kids and the Ukrainian kids before the neighborhood was black and Hispanic and poor, to say y'all come and mean it. And yeah, to party and like to create, it's... And to create a, a space for arts. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, I- incredible. Like throughout the 70s and 80s, where yeah. like real artistic creation Absolutely. happened in that space. So Absolutely. this is, you know, it's amazing. And now, you know, I wonder if you want to say just a, a word about like 
your relationship with the rabbi, who oh I just, gosh. you know, I just I think that's this. another example Thank of you. love that is, you know, it's also like, what foundations are we laying right. with every encounter yep. in order to build the next thing? And I that's think that that's, is. I think, that, you know. That's what it is. Amanda and I talked today and she goes, can I ask you questions? I'm like, sure. Yeah, I mean, y'all who are, who are listening, many of you know, this is season three of this podcast, The Middle Burned Down in December of 2020. And we've had such kindness from people, like such kindness from people. But really not space. You know, we rented a space for a little while um, at this church that, you know, we were a tenant and it was about three months when it's between October COVID, not, and December COVID again. But the miracles, I would say that the things I have found in the fire, Paul, I have found these things in the fire, incredible kindness and generosity. 650 people have joined the church since March of 2020. That's two congregations. That's crazy town. They have that found us in wild. Ireland, Paris, Perry Street. Mm. Crazy town, like 650 people since we shut down in March have joined the church. So we found colleagues, allies that could come to church in their pajamas. There's a woman and her husband who pray with me every morning, every Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock. It's their afternoon tea in the UK, and they come and pray. <laughs> it's crazy. But also Rabbi Josh Stanton and his people, who are one of the many people who wrote and said, if we can do anything, let us know. And when I called and said, Josh, it's now time for space. Basically, the space we have is free. I mean, we got a little bit of money we're paying, but it's like zero compared to what it would cost. And one of their benefactors um, is paying, you know, three-fourths of our little rent. What did they say? They made a mishkan, a tabernacle for us to tabernacle with them. Why? Because Josh and I have a relationship. Why? Because I understand that Jesus is a Jew. Hello. And why? <laughs> because it's true. So we have curated these interfaith partnerships for all these years, you know, but especially the last 20, where we are friends with our Muslim colleagues and our Sikh colleagues, Valerie, and our Jewish colleagues and our Buddhist colleagues. We have a deep relationship with this interfaith bunch of clergy in the East Village. And, and y'all, if we don't know that God speaks more than one language, we've really missed out on something. So it's a beautiful gift to imagine the partnerships we're going to do with them. They're going to host our Freedom School this summer. Hmm. So um, how many more things will we do together? Like so many things, because I, I don't know, that's what love looks like. That is you know, the one of the lessons of the many lessons I'm sure we could we could talk about is open hearts are never wasted. Mm, that's a preach right there. That'll preach. Invitation, um, generosity, kindness, yeah. um, taking time, which is our most precious commodity. Yeah. Taking time to find the relationship, to find right. the, you know, to build it. Right. You know, you could have said, oh, Josh, you know, yeah, whatever. But you took the time. Yep. To get to know Josh Stanton, and he took the time to get to, get to, to know, know Jackie you, Lewis. Yeah, Jackie yeah. Lewis, and and I just think that that's instructive for everyday living. It's taking the time, looking around, uh, and so and it's it invites the idea that we're every day is fraught with possibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
including joy. I mean, let's do make sure we talk about it. Paul, you know, we know each other through our relationships in institutions and as human beings. I always think of you as a, a joyful, kind spirit. That That's what I think of you as, among other things. I mean, you're also brilliant and thoughtful. But, like, is joy hereditary? You know, I don't know. My mother was like a throw-your-head-back and laugh-out-loud woman. My dad thinks he's funny. And, Daddy, sometimes you're just plain off-color and rude. But I know you think it's funny, but we grew up <laughs> laughing. I have a video of my siblings. Uh, we were we did Christmas in February because none of us could all get together at Christmas time. So we got there for my sister's birthday in Chicago. All of us came home. We were in the kitchen, which is so small. You know, you go home and you're like, did we actually fit in this kitchen? <laughs> you know, in this kitchen, it's so small. And we turn on, get up off of that thing, mm. James Brown. Mm. And my dad, who has a girlfriend... Loves dancing to this song with her. But before that, Daddy always had this weird dance when we were little. It was called a Mockingbird. Mm. And it was a dance just like now you might do the, the the good foot or whatever. He did this dance. So we each of us just mocked the hell out of my father, uh, dancing in the kitchen, teasing him. And he was laughing. And we were laughing. And we were like, now do that other part. Like grown-ups, 62 to 50, dying laughing at each other, teasing each other. And, you know, we didn't have a perfect house. Mm. We had anger and drama in our house. We had hurt feelings in our house. But we always had deep, abiding sense that they would do anything for us, Mm. love. And we always had so much fun together. So I learned joy like I learned how to write. Mm. You know, I did. I learned how to laugh and how to you know, how to roll with it and um, how to not, not be embarrassed if you fell down. How did you learn joy, Paul? And and can we teach it? Joy to me is one of those things where you feel completely right. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be... Loud. But it doesn't have to be loud and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be... I, but it's where you're just like... It's not something I, I wish I could teach it more, but you know, you... I mean, even a part of this conversation, it feel I'm joyful yeah. having this conversation yeah. because yep. I feel like I'm being inspired and we're vibing and you yep. know and 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 yep. so a joy can come through a great conversation with a friend. Yeah, where you feel understood, yes. you feel heard, yep. you feel seen, yes, and you leave saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm alive." Yep. You know, I mean, that's like you know, for me, it's like saying I'm alive, and no one can take that away from me. All the things that I worry about, I'm just going to be, I'm alive and I'm overflowing. Yep. You know, and so yep. it's, it's, there's an overflowingness to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and I, you know, I want to share it and I want to be a part of it. It's communal. I think, I think joy is, you know, it's a personal experience, but it's generally like something you share. And, and yeah. you know, a lot of my life was spent um, until I was like probably 35, uh, 40, going to nightclubs. Okay. I like nightclubs were the place where I found transcendence, yeah, and mm. ecstasy wow. and community. Yeah, because on be the dance floor mm-hmm. and on the dance floor. Are you a good floor, dancer? You know what I am. All you right, know, now I, can, claim I can it. do it. I can do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, now I'm like, you know, watch out for Grandpa Paul. But you know, at the, in the day, in the day, so you know, I, I was in New York, and there were nightclubs, and people would be on the floor. Yeah. And we and you would get in there, and there was this song that said, 
I feel joy when I think about what you've done for me. And and the entire place would be just thumping and people would be arms up. And it was like church. It was absolutely wow. church. Yeah. Because people felt it and they could, they everybody felt the movement and we were all part of one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the DJ knew it. Yeah. And so those were those were really m- moments of church for me. And that yeah. was like, that was actually really how I, I used to go to, to nightclubs. You know, I, I do feel like that's another, like, if you're not dancing, try, find a way to dance. Yep, if you're not, way. if you're not like creating some poetry, find it, you know, find a way to make you a know, pie, make a pie, <laughs> yes. make yeah. something. So yeah. this is, you know, it's, it, it's not all about, you know, joy feels to me like a very overflowing emotion and mm-hmm. some things are just satisfaction, which is also great. But yep. I don't know, you, you describe joy in a very particular way I in do. your book. And I, I, I I'd love, you know, it, maybe you can read like I'm just gonna, a passage. I'm going to read would, a passage about I, I would. I, I think that it's revelatory the way you described it, and and uh, I think very important. I love that you wanted to talk about joy here. Uh, the the way I thought about joy when I was writing, which is it, which I was really struck, Paul, my own finding upon it that it was it's the water of life. Like I say, joy is the water of life. So peaceable feeling. I had to move. I didn't want to move, but I had to move. I moved out of my parsonage to this apartment on 21st and FDR. I don't like the traffic patterns, but I have found myself waking up, sitting in the window, looking at the East River. Oh my God, joy. Coffee with John, Mm. joy. Watching Ophelia giggle, joy. Roaring with the children, joy. Making love with John, joy. Mm. Sitting down to a glass of red wine and the best chocolate cake, Absolutely joy. <laughs> Absolutely joy. And I fight in here in the book a little bit about happiness, joy, happiness, joy. Like, don't get stuck. I had a guy white explain to me one time, happiness is like, you know, external and stuff, but joy is like in the middle of your suffering, like, you know, you still feel at peace. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or joy is, like Rumi says, when you do something from your soul. Mm. It's a river. Mm. It's a joy. I mm. love that. It, that. That's it to me. It's like I'm looking at the ocean. Joy. You got to know, listener, what gives you joy. Contentada. Uh, contentment in Spanish seems like it gets at it. I'm at peace. I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling satisfied. Mm. I'm feeling resonant with the world. Mm. I'm I think you can have joy in the midst of the suffering. I think you can have joy in the midst of the COVID. I think you can have joy in the midst of the heartbreak. But I'm defining it as this essential feeling that comes in your soul, not because you pretended that everything was okay, but that you looked at your life squarely, took it on the chin. This part sucks, and I'm, I'm left with this. Joy doesn't come from being false. It comes from looking squarely at the truth of our circumstances, feeling what's inside authentically, and then turning a grateful heart toward the good and the bad and the ugly as part of living life. Hmm. My hip hurts. F it, I'm alive. Joy. You know what I mean? (laughs) My shoes are too tight. You know, sit down and put your feet up, go buy some new ones tomorrow. Joy. I do think it is a character trait that we can develop. Mm -hmm. And I think it's about what we decide to look at, learning how to see. Mm -hmm. It's a perspective set. Uh, I think when you come out of a fire and you didn't die in it, you have a feeling of joy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you break up with your lover and you know that it's going to be better for you 
it's joy. So you're right, it isn't always loud and raucous, but it is a kind of feeling mm. of satisfaction resourced with truth. Mm. That's how I would define it. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, and some of that was read directly from the book, in yep. case you didn't notice Some that. of that was so, face <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of that was straight from... This is, this is what I say on page seven, 177, which I think you liked. In, can you feel what I mean by joy? Joy is a feeling of freedom, of bounce back, of contentment, of wonder. Joy is a reservoir of goodness that makes you rock back and forth and hug yourself. It makes you smile for no reason, or your smile might prompt it. Joy makes you tilt your head back full in full-throated laugh. Joy comes around the way, on the way, in the interstitial places between now and not yet, tired and rested, broken and healing, worried and hopeful. Sometimes joy is an eruption, a surprise. Sometimes it's just peace way down in your belly, like our talk. It makes your face shine with gladness and contentment. Mother Teresa said, joy is strength. Y'all, can joy help us in these times of trauma? Paul, I hope so. I think we're lost without it. I think that you can also identify practices and people yeah. that give you joy yep. and make sure it's part of your week. Get some joy. Get some joy. <laughs> Walk on the river. <laughs> Absolutely. Coffee with a friend. Read a fun, a, a, a great poem. You can even, you know, some people on TikTok can give you joy. I, Child, I, for sure. It, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Get your joy. You, can, you, can, you know, I mean, you know, but fine. A lot of what my work has been has been um, online. Like, what do, how do we, how are we online? Yeah. And what the online world does to us mm-hmm. in good and bad ways. And I think it's especially important online yeah. to find spaces of joy. Yeah. Because the online world can be very alienated. It yes. can be very, um, you can feel very attacked. Yeah. So make sure if you're spending time online, like most of us are, yeah, find places of joy in online. Like there are beautiful things going on in the online, but you have to make sure you have them bookmarked. So yeah. you can say, I, okay, I've hit it. I need to go to that place of joy. Absolutely, that's and right. And so I just, uh, that that's my one like pitch for uh, self-care online, which I'm very interested in. So love yourself, get some care, find some joy. For the facing of these days. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jackie. I'm so glad to talk with you, my Forever friend. Jackie. Thank you. Fierce love. Hello. 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 <laughs> Thank you, my friend. My pleasure to be, be well. with you. In my conversation with Paul Rauschenbusch, we reflected on personal aspects of our life, our partners, his children, And the very real ways that what we think might be evil is just not enough. I'd love to know what you think Fierce Love's got to do with all of this. 